This is Mike Bursell, voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover and Living with the Land. Welcome to a voyage of discovery and awareness of the richness, the diversity, and the often surprising nature of the Mickey Dudes podcast. Ohana means family. Family and Mickey Dude podcast means nobody gets left behind. Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. It's the Mickey Dudes Podcast. Here's your master of ceremonies, Wazowski. Hello, humans! Hello, humans, and welcome to another episode of the Mickey Dudes Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Koch, joined today by my co-host and editor extraordinaire, Jeff Williams. Flash photography, I wouldn't. That alters the homing signal, and that's not good. And one of our amazing Mickey Dude rotating commentators from Chicago, Illinois, we have with us Tim Sweska. I'm sick of living where the air hurts my face. (laughs) It's rough over by you guys. You're getting hit with another storm this week, I see. Yes. Oh, and uh, yeah, the highest it has been in, with the exception of one day, uh, the average temperature has been about 20. The the, ha- the average high has been about like 20, and the average low has been single digits. Uh, we got to have a nice blast of 40 below a few weeks ago. Uh, we were colder than Nome, Alaska. I was going to say, I thought I heard something that Antarctica was warmer than where you are. Antarctica was warmer, yes. That is just crazy. You know, you just can't fathom that sometimes. That's just like, wow. It's a reason why we're known as the city of big shoulders, because, well, if we didn't, we'd starve. Duly noted. (laughs) Well, let's warm up a bit and move over to our sponsors. Whether it's the first sip of French roast at your Disney resort or the grand finale of a signature dining experience at a restaurant like Le Cellier, Gico, or the California Grill, Joffrey's coffees make Disney memories more magical. Why not savor that Disney vacation just a little bit longer while enjoying a cup of Joffrey's in the comfort of your own home? Visit Joffrey's, the official coffee and tea company of Disney, online today at joffreys.com joffreys coffee and tea a flavor for every disney memory who has the largest selections of dvc resale listings and is the number one dvc reseller in the world who has 90 percent of their listings sell within 30 days with no upfront fees who has 95 years of combined disney vacation club experience and has been selling dvc since 1993 who has over $360 million in sales of DVC? The answer, my friends, is the same for every single question. It's DVC Resale Market. If you're in the market for buying Disney Vacation Club or have any questions about DVC, then look no further than DVC Resale Market. Nick, Kevin, and the whole team will do their very best to get you exactly what you need and answer any questions that you might have. Take a look at their website for some great information, their latest listings, or just some FAQs. We would like to thank DVC Resale Market for being part of our team 
And now it's your turn. Let them be part of your team when buying DVC. Check them out at dvcresalemarket.com. All right. And now, ladies and gentlemen, since we were uh, graced with the amazing uh, croonings of uh, Pat Gennetti over there, uh, I want to uh, talk about our topic for tonight, which actually uh, Pat came up with. Uh, Pat is still dealing with some uh, issues and uh, will be returning to us hopefully very soon after he gets everything uh, out of the way. But he still is an integral part of our podcast behind the scenes. And we were trying to figure out what we could uh, do for this week's topic. Pat came up with an amazing idea. With the passing of three major Disney people this week, you are having a dinner party. You can invite any Disney people, both alive or dead. Where would you eat and what would you talk about? I thought this would be a show. When he said it, we all kind of jumped on it. So tonight, gentlemen, ground rules are very simple. Pick three people that have something to do with Disney. Decide where you want to eat with them in Walt Disney World. Tell us why you picked that restaurant. And tell me what the conversation is going to entail. Sound good? Absolutely. Sure. All right. Well, before we go, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the great loss that uh, the Disney community did uh, receive this uh, week with uh, two of its major players. Uh, Jeff, you're our uh, D23 guy. Can you uh, speak a little bit about each man? Uh, First off, uh, Ron Miller, which was um, Walt Disney's son-in-law, passed away. Um, He was... uh, Diane Disney Miller's um, husband. Um, he uh, came to the company kind of through. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, I guess. Um, he was somewhat of a football phenom uh, at USC, I believe, um, and he actually got recruited uh, by the Rams, um, the LA Rams. And I guess at one point, uh, the story goes, he got knocked out. Um, uh, Walt approached him and said, look, uh, why don't you come work for me so you don't, you know, so you, I, I can, uh, you know, have you, uh, so I don't have to raise your, my grandkids or something, something along those lines. <laughs> so he wouldn't be hamburger, I guess. But so basically he started, uh, the ground up from, uh, working in, uh, the Walt Disney company. Um, so he, he got to see the behind the scenes through Walt and Roy Disney and, uh, uh, work, uh, uh, kind of a jack of all trades. Um, a lot of business behind the scenes. Um, eventually, um, he was given a lot more responsibility at Disneyland when it was being, um, made and developed. Uh, somebody I read, he was officially the sixth, uh, number six, uh, official employee of Disneyland. Um, but as, uh, Walt passed away and then Roy Disney took over the company temporarily, and then eventually Roy passed away. Uh, he ended up he ended up being um, picked as the president of the company. Um, eventually, CEO. Um, he brought us basically through the '70s, as some hard times, um, but he struggled through it. Uh, there was a lot of uh, change going on in the in the uh, the world, um, so it was a really tough time to try to 
to make make ends meet as a corporation at that point. Uh, a lot of rough stuff going down, um, and there, he even survived a, a corporate um, a, a corporate takeover by another uh, by I think a, a combination of uh, many uh, people. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, he ended up being um, uh, bringing in a lot of uh, really positive things to the company. Um, the th- highlights are uh, things like the Disney Channel, um, a lot of 70s movies that you could probably re- remember, um, and uh, ESPN was, uh, uh, I thought I heard uh, that was under him, um, but a cu- couple of the Disney Mickey dudes um, remember Tron, or big fans of Tron, and he brought on, he was uh, instrumental on bringing, making that happen, so uh, a lot of good things to to come from that uh he finished uh after he was left the disney company he finished the last few decades of his life with his wife doing a lot of philanthropic uh, uh endeavors uh the final thing was being in charge of the walt disney family museum uh, so he he had a very full and en- enriching life uh that affected a lot of people and and uh was you know Push the ball, keep moving forward, as, as they say. He kept the, the company going under hard times, so uh, he'll be missed. Thank you, Jeff. And Tim, would you please tell our listeners about the other loss this uh, week in the Disney uh, fan bubble? Uh, well, we lost, it, to me, it, we lost the first icon of my generation in the Disney family which is uh, Dave Smith. Many of us uh, grew up reading Adventures by Disney. We remember the magazines. And there used to be little blurbs in there from Dave Smith. And there used to be a section called Ask Dave. And you could write in and you could ask Dave Smith questions. Uh, He started his career with Disney, what I think is amazing. One of the first things he was tasked to do is archive all of the documents and artifacts in Walt's office. So, I mean, at this point, I think I heard somebody, I can't remember who said it, but I heard it put best when somebody said, we have Disney history because we had Dave Smith. Uh, You know, Dave Smith pretty much single-handedly started, you know, the Disney archives. We, you know, we have so many movie posters, so many artifacts from movies. We have so many artifacts from the parks, scale models, you know, scripts screenplays and there's just there's so much that Dave Smith single-handedly preserved uh, his uh, I mean his combined knowledge of him having a degree in library science and then also a penchant for history the man was able to I mean just he he is why we have you know when you see the wonderful world of Disney trivia he's because of that you know when you see the ultimate Disney trivia books it's because of him you you know you most likely see a lot of you know a lot of these younger people who now are working for Disney in those archival you know in those archival positions in those you know historical positions they're there because of him i mean he uh it just he was at least a man after my own heart a man who loved history and a man who loved disney i i mean he to me he had the best job in the world and he did it, and he did the best job in the world at that job. So, I mean, again, it's 
if you're picking up something that has something to do with you know the chron you know the, the chronological you know history of Disney, Dave Smith probably had a hand in it. So I mean that's a it's just a huge loss. It's a huge loss, but then again, you know, but it's also amazing that, you know, we got to see a guy like that on the planet. We got to see a guy who did the things he did. And we have everything we do have because of Dave. So, a huge loss, but, you know, what a life. What a life. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. All right, gentlemen. So... Let's uh, get into our um, hypothetical uh, dinner party for tonight. All right. Well, uh, to just kind of outline it, I will be walking over to Victorian Alberts and walking in, getting a table for four. It'll be myself, the late, great Ward Kimball, the late, great Robert Sherman, and the absolutely immortal icon Fess Parker uh, I will start with Ward uh, Ward to me was an easy choice because I mean one of the nine old men but also I, the man who started the firehouse five plus two I mean how how do you not love this guy he's uh, you know he was you know, he was one of the nine old men. He was responsible for, you know, the three caballeros. He was responsible for, you know, like some of his first work he did was on the wise old hen. So he had a hand in the birth of Donald Duck. You know, he, uh, you know, he had a hand in the first feature length animated movie, Snow White. Uh, and even near the end of his career, he started doing, he's kind of dipping his toe into the Imagineer pool. And he started. Uh, he started doing consulting work for the World of Motion in Epcot. So, I mean, this, uh, it's, I mean, again, you know, like uh, as Jeff used the phrase earlier, jack of all trades, uh, that was Ward. And <clears throat> it seemed that his knowledge was limitless when it came to animation, when it came to imagination. And also, uh, I mean, he was one of Walt's best friends because of his love for trains. He was also uh, a huge engineer. He was also a huge uh, train engine buff. And as a matter of fact, I believe one of the uh, one of the train museums in Southern California has a locomotive that Ward did donate to them. And also, one of the locomotives in Disneyland is named after Ward Kimball as well, the number five. So it's uh, I mean, just a guy who was almost in there from the very start and had a, had a seat so close to Walt and was such a multi-talented gentleman. I mean, he was, you know, you're talking about a guy who was serious enough to do something like Fantasia and, you know, help, had a helping hand in Fantasia and then turned around and was able to do, you know, he was able to do Pecos Bill and Melody Time. He also had a hand in helping us create Mr. Toad in The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So, I mean, you're... This guy was so in just in so many parts. He had such... Just, he had, he had such a big hand in so many... In so many things that... So many Disney fans hold near and dear. And I think... 
at least anyway, my, my question to Ward would be, when did you see this as... When did you see this job as turning from shaky to unstoppable? Because, I mean, especially with him being there in the early stages, I mean, there's a lot of times when Walt would tie up basically the entire fortune into a, you know, into a movie. You know, he did it with, uh, he did it with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He tied up a ton in Mary Poppins. You know, he, of course, you know, Disneyland. You know, quote-unquote Walt's Folly when it first opened. So I would, I would almost want to ask him when, you know, what was it like to see this company with its infancy and growing into the empire we see today? Of course, I'd have so many other questions for him, and, well, I'd have to ask him to see if we could maybe break a little bit of decorum in Victorian Alberts and hear a little jazz trombone, because, well, when you got a member of the Firehouse Five, well, you ask him. Okay, well, uh, my second person, Robert Sherman. The reason I picked him is another one, as, as I was talking earlier about uh, Dave Smith. Uh, Robert Sherman is the perfect combination to me of Disney and history. Uh, Robert Sherman, before he was part of the most successful songwriting duo to pretty much walk the planet. Robert signed, uh, got his permissions parent got his parents' permission early, and signed up for World War II. Robert fought in the North Africa campaign. Robert also fought in the European campaign. He was wounded while liberating Dachau concentration camp. So already, this guy is well. Pardon the family-friendly language. A certified badass. I mean, hey, Ma, can you sign my permission? Most of us, if we're too young to do something, we're going so we can ask to go to an R-rated movie. He went to see if he could go kill Nazis. Already, this or already this guy out of the gate is amazing to me. So then Robert comes home and joins his brother, and you now have just this amazing songwriting duo. That again, another one. If you're hearing, if you're listening to a Disney song, the Sherman Brothers probably had a hand in it. Uh, and honestly, you have to look back at Mary Poppins as it could be one of the greatest soundtracks ever written. And you're talking about again, this is 100% Richard and Rob Sherman. So it's the. Uh, and honestly, the question that I would really want to ask Rob is, and this may seem trivial, but I think it would be a, a great story, and I think it would lead to a lot of good stories, was P.L. Travers really as big a pain in the ass as everyone said she was? <laughs> I, uh, I I really would like to know. The uh, Saving Mr. Banks was, I thought, at least from what was said by Disney historians and folks who were actually involved in the process that it was just about as accurate as you could get so I would love to be able to sit in a room number one just be in the presence of a man like Robert Sherman and then number two just 
maybe throw out just this open-ended question and then just shut your mouth, keep your ears open, and listen to all the experiences that this man surely has in his head, in his heart, and, you know, it's, it would be amazing. I hope I haven't stolen anybody's guys yet, so, or gals, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good. <clears throat> okay, well, my last, uh, my last guy, I, you, you all know me, Fess Parker's a no-brainer for me. I'm picking Fess Parker because, again, you're talking about a man where Walt was racking his brain trying to find the perfect man to play one of the most iconic characters in American folklore. You know, a man who still is talked about to this day. Uh, I'm pretty sure you have plenty, uh, plenty of knowledge on that, Jeff, living in Texas. I'm pretty sure you probably hear about Davy Crockett quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, you know, Fess Parker just being a young actor in this kind of, you know, really horribly good sci-fi movie, Them, and they said that Walt was so impressed, he flew out of his chair, pointed at the screen, and said, that's my Davy. So, again, a guy who you would really want to be able to meet like that. A guy who you'd want to hear, you know, you'd want to hear all of, all of what he had to say. Just, again, a, a man who his character spawned what we, what we almost know as one of the first, if not the first, pop culture craze we ever saw in America. The coonskin cap. I mean... You're talking about kids were wandering around wearing these. I mean, my my dad my dad had one. He was he was about eight nine years old when the Crockett craze was going on. He had a coonskin cap, just like every other kid. He went down to the you know went down to the drugstore and he wanted a copy of the Ballad of Davy Crockett. I mean, you're again talking about a guy who just launched a huge craze, uh, Buddy Ebsen. In, uh, in a documentary told a very funny story about Walt, Fess Parker, Buddy, and the governor of Tennessee, and they were eating in the Disney, uh, the Disney Studios commissary. And the governor of Tennessee said, you know, tell me, Mr. Disney, did you have any idea that this would be as popular as it is? And uh, Fess Parker and Buddy Ebsen said, Walt looked over and winked at him, and looked at the governor and said, well, we're a little disappointed. We thought it'd be really big. So, again, I mean, just... That's that's just one of the snippets you know you're going to hear from a guy like that. And what I would like to know when it comes to Fess Parker is the question I would ask Fess would be, when you were studying, you know, when you were studying this role, when you were preparing to be this role... Uh, you know, Parker was known for, you know, vastly and intricately researching his roles. Because uh, uh, after this, obviously, I mean, he uh, he also played Daniel Boone on TV. Uh, so, again, a, a man who knew a lot about American folklore, a lot about American trailblazers. And what I would like to find out is what did you find out? What did you find out about Davy Crockett where the man stopped and myth began? And how did, you know, how did you deal with that? I would like to know Parker's thought process 
on how he went about something like that. And again, just to just to be able to sit in a room with a guy who he passed away in 2010. And, you know, you're talking about a guy who the last time he played Davy Crockett was 1955. And people, and he's, and it had, had a very storied career afterward. Very successful winery. Very successful uh, with, you know, uh, influencing politics in California. I would love to just hear Fess's story about how he was responsible for that Crockett craze, for that pop culture. And just hear about what his thought process was going into that. And what he was thinking when he went into play, I mean, well, the role of roles. So That's awesome. Would you also take a walk through Frontierland with him? Uh, well, with it being a dinner at Victorian Alberts, you can always add the wine pairing at Victorian Alberts. And with Fess Parker being there and owning a winery, I'd probably go for the wine pairing. And who knows if I'd even be able to walk after that. <laughs> but if I could, I would. Absolutely. Maybe do it prior to the dinner. So, I would. I would love to actually sit and open a bottle of his very fine sparkling wine in Crockett's Tavern and listen to more of his tales. That would be awesome. And I'm going to let you do that because I'm going to cheat a little for mine. Because, yeah, I'm going to have my little dinner party. But I'm going to go to the parks beforehand with my guest because I want to actually talk about some of the uh, attractions. Uh, so first off, uh, dinner is going to be at Narcusi's. And the reason why I picked Narcusi's is it's a really elegant setting. Uh, you don't have that many people in Narcusi's compared to Citrico's or um, some of the other restaurants because... While a lot of people eat seafood, there is a group of people out there, a, a big majority, that kind of shy away from it. So it's actually one of the re one of the signature restaurants that with Flying Fish that you can get a decent last minute ADR to, because it's uh, known for its seafood. They do offer other things on the menu, but it is a uh, seafood uh, rich menu at, at that. But I'm also doing it because midway through the dinner, it will stop and we'll be able to uh, see Happily Ever After being performed. So I get to actually have a little fireworks show with my, uh, with my guests. And my guests are going to uh, be arranged. So the first one, I thought it would be obviously cliche to go with Walt Disney. So I decided that I'm going to go with his brother Roy. And the reason why I'm going to go with his brother Roy is Walt was the dreamer and Roy was more of the one who was the practical one, kind of reining him in and all. And you need kind of both of, you need kind of both of those sides to really make something great. You need to be um, creative. You need to take risks. But sometimes, too, you need to kind of just really sit back and deal with the business end. And... The business end is what I really want to talk to him about. We're going to go through all four parks. And we're going to take a look at all of the uh, attractions that have uh, come to fruition since he passed. 
And what I want to have a conversation with him about is this whole idea of uh, capitalizing on intellectual properties rather than creating some of your uh, more, uh, I guess, innovative uh, characters that uh, have nothing to do with IP. So I'm going to take him on the new test track. I'm going to take him over um, and do Dinosaur. We're going to ride Expedition Everest. And then we're also going to do stuff like Frozen. We're going to... We're definitely going to um, have to give that its due, and uh, we'll stop by and look at the Ratatouille construction as time goes on, and just kind of just hit a bunch of IP uh, traction. So, uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid—not Voyage of the Little Mermaid—that's the show in the in the studios, uh, Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, or whatever it is. The uh, the ride that they had in California that they brought to the Magic Kingdom. I'll, I'll take them on that. And I want to talk to him from a business point of view of the idea of kind of just running on IPs lately and not being more innovative like when they first started with Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion and attractions like that and just see where he stands on that. And that's going to lead me into my next guest. My next guest I'm going to take uh, who's going to be with us is the late Leota Toombs, who is uh, known at known nowadays as the uh, likeness of Madame Leota in the Haunted Mansion. But she was an integral part of Imagineering. She was an Imagineer herself, and she played a great role in bringing pirates online and the Haunted Mansion, among a whole bunch of other classic Disney uh, attractions. And with her first, I'm going to get her to weigh in on this idea, too, that I'm talking to uh, Roy about with the intellectual properties. But with her also, I want to talk to her as a teacher. Because nowadays, I teach English, but I also have a um, small medical background. I used to work EMS, and I am very uh, much into empowering my students and if it's be the arts or sciences wherever they excel I'm one to really push them and I love seeing my female students really kind of embrace the the sciences and the and the mathematics a- aspects and nowadays with the, in education the buzzwords being stem and steam science technology engineering math- mathematics for stem or for steam science engineering i'm sorry science technology engineering arts and mathematics i want to talk to her about um, what advice she would give young girls today that want to uh, get into engineering want to work maybe mix something with the arts into that or just girls in the arts girls into engineering all of those things because she was able to take both of she had an artistic background and an engineering background and was able to make both of them come together to create something amazing so i definitely want to have that as a uh, centerpiece of my conversation with her and then finally to kind of just really uh 
cement down their legacies for that. I'm going to be a little unorthodox, and I'm going to not maybe take somebody that was uh, instrumental in creating the Disney company and the parks as it is, but one who enhanced the guest experience. And for this, uh, I'd like to... I'd like to have uh, Richard Gerth, who passed away uh, last year, uh, who is the gentleman who greeted everybody at the Grand Floridian, be with us. And I want to ask him about the guest experience from the 70s when he started working all the way up to uh, the very the very end. He, he worked for Disney uh, right up until 2018. And... For many of us, he was always an institution within our uh, trips to Disney. Everybody would stop to get a picture and say hi to Richard and all that. He was just always an integral part of all of our trips. And I'd like him to, uh, one, tell all of us about some of the guest experiences that he had, that really ways that he was able to make magic, uh, maybe even report about how guests reacted when new when new uh, attractions came on or what they would say about timeless attractions, what he would overhear as they were coming back back for the day, going back to their rooms at the Grand Floridian or maybe even just people that were coming to go to 1900 Park Fair or the cafe or one of the restaurants that we're at and just kind of just get his view as a cast member that makes magic for everybody else. The first two were the ones that created the magic and he cultivated the magic. And that would be my dinner party. Man, that was pretty uh pretty Thank cool. You. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Jeff, what about you? Well, so I I'd like to frame mine by saying um that I've been I was an animation fan um, long before I was a Disney Parks fan. Uh, growing up, um, in fact, that's one of the common bonds uh, me and my wife had early on. Um, so Disney is a big center of, of that, um, those uh, interests. Um, as we transition to go into parks, and we're huge parks fans now, What there's this overall um, look and feel and whimsy that Disney, uh, the Disney company, uh, puts forth uh, obviously it all started with Walt Disney kind of carrying that attitude and that that um, kind of that look and feel um, that culture forward a big part of that culture there's three uh, individuals that that I'd like to bring to and I'd like to bring them to um, the enchanted Walt Disney's enchanted tiki room because whether I don't know if a lot of people realize this but um, it was designed initially as a restaurant so as uh, actually was a what we modernly known as the uh, rainforest cafe uh, that kind of annoys us sometimes that was the, was the intention of the original um uh, show is going to be a show uh, live show and, and eating uh, establishment um it didn't work out that way but uh what i would like to do is kind of reinvigorate that and have a little um private party um with these three uh, Disney legends, because um, I know they, I've read they're fans of the, the tiki bar uh, culture, so we could have a little tiki bar um, scenario. Um, 
but I'd start off with, um, and they all kind of feed on each other, and you, you'll you'll hear why. Um, the start at the top of my Twitter account, um, I say in my in my title, um, Mark Davis is my uh, B Bay B A E, um, and if you know, you know is what I say, and and basically it's true. Mark Davis um, was one of the nine old men. Uh, the nine old men is the original. Um, uh, animators of the Walt Disney Studios that di uh, Walt Disney uh, kind of carried through the, the early early days, but Mark Davis is such an instrumental uh, component of that. Um, in fact, Walt actually said Mark can do story, he can do character, he can animate, he can design shows for me. All I have to do is tell him what I want, and it's there. He's my Renaissance man. So I feel like. Uh, Mark Davis is kind of the the backbone of, of uh, how Walt Disney's vision was carried through. Um, in fact, I recommend a book. It's called Walt Mark Davis, Walt Disney's Renaissance Man. Um, very awesome book uh, with a lot of um, um, elaborate um, passages uh, from very popular uh, people in the business. Um, and also, my number two person, by the way, is Alice Davis, his wife. Um, Alice Davis is also a Disney legend, and she's still alive. She's still with us, thank goodness. But uh, Mark Davis passed away in 2000. Uh, she helped um, um, oversee this book as it's going together, so it's kind of like her little... Uh, she gave her blessing of every step of the way, so it's kind of like she got to, to pick through all of his uh, special sketches and and uh, hand, hand choose them and... and apply them in this book so it's kind of her little her finger t uh, her touches are on all over the book as well in that regards um mark davis though it blows me away because here he is this is this is the renaissance man i mean he's basically um one of the early animator um, um geniuses that that came up with um drawing for the dynamics that we modernly know as walt disney's uh, look um, so he w was considered a ladies' man. In other words, he drew a lot of the ladies that we're familiar with, a lot of the princesses, um, Snow White, uh, uh, Cinderella, Alice from Alice Wonderland, Tinkerbell, Aurora, F Maleficent, uh, Cruella Deville. Um, but he also did a lot of, pretty much a lot of main characters: Bambi, Thumper, uh, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, uh, Mr. Toad. Um, Anyway, he, he's basically <laughs> a lot of the things that I love about Disney is is he's instrumental in, in a key figure in in that early animation. Um, you carry that forward, and little did I know until I started going to excuse me, little did I know until I started going to the Disney parks and looking into that that culture that I realized he is instrumental in. Uh, Walt basically handed off to him. He hired him for the Wed Enterprise. Um, Walt. Uh, Walt, Walt's kind of imagineering uh, uh, side company and I didn't realize he was instrumental in uh, the concept art for pretty much every uh, ride going a uh, dark ride going to Disney World at Disneyland at the time so we're talking Jungle Cruise um, Enchanted Tiki Room Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln Carousel of Progress It's a Small World Pirates of the Caribbean The Haunted Mansion Country Bear Jamboree um, and a lot of others uh, listed but those are Kind of the key ones and and if you 
go to the chapter in the book and under Imagineering, you'll get to see <laughs> uh, one of my favorite pictures of his. Um, and I've actually seen, um, I was got the chance to actually see the, the original uh, once before. But basically it's called, um, I won't get to it, sorry. Sorry, flipping pages. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to get to see the original. It's called um, Stupid Pirate and Redhead. Basically it's the, <laughs> we once the redhead um, auction scene uh, um, concept. So, you know, those are the kind of things that this whimsical concept in his mind and he's able to translate that into some amazing artwork for the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean and Jungle Jungle Cruise. And, and it's basically exactly what we get to witness and experience. I mean, these are kind of uh, iconic uh, images. Um, hand off to um, his wife, um, uh, Alice uh, Davis. She uh, was a dress designer and uh, Walt found out through Mark that she did this and he was <laughs> he was in a pinch for a, It's a Small World so he recruited her through him uh, so she did all the uh, costumes of It's a Small World for the 64 World's Fair and then basically full-time did all the costumes for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, etc. So uh, together they basically had a nice uh, you know <laughs> uh, teamwork of helping build the whole uh, um, theme park Disneyland uh, early on. Um, and that kind of carries me over to the last, the third person, which is Blaine Gibson. Uh, Blaine Gibson uh, passed away recently, like 2015. Um, but he was most famous for sculpting. So uh, Walt uh, looked to him for lots of the uh, sculpt work that we see. So uh, when you're going through these same rides, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise. He he basically created the the 3D sculpture work for um, all those uh, animatronics, audio animatronics, um, and he's most famous for also doing all the presidents like uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, I think the most recent president uh, he did was um, um, uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush uh, before he retired. Um, but uh, they also hired him to do the uh, partner statue that we're fam familiar with in front of the castle. So um, he, he's he instrumental in <laughs> basically what we see is 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 what the way I feel like it's Mark and Alice Davis kind of uh, Mark doing the 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 uh, concept art for a lot of our favorite dark rides that are classic Disney, Walt Disney, and then hand it off to uh, Alice and Blaine Gibson to kind of make it tactile and 3d right so um those are the kind of things that stick up in my mind and uh, as far as sitting down and talking with them i think believe it or not I, i've read so many books about the things that that are publicized what i would want to do is sit down and talk to them about the kind of the unknowns the things that uh, after we get maybe a little bit of a uh you know liquid liquid uh love coming through there that we get some uh, truth serum coming out maybe uh, just get some fun stories uh, that that probably can't be put on print um, that I'm sure would be amazing and it all be all be off the record so <laughs> uh, but I'm sure there's some amazing stories uh, that would be uh, come out in, in this table discussion <laughs> but anyway those people inspire me I think they're they're pretty amazing and that's what, what gives me excite, excitement to keep going back to Disney that was awesome Love it, yeah. 
Mark Davis has always been like a favorite of mine. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about the unknowns. I mean, there's uh, you flip into this book and you see concept art of rides that never were done, right? So, just imagine there's probably you know treasure trove of, of product out there that that never has been done that they're keeping in the the vault, you know. Um, so who knows when they'll pull that stuff out and maybe crank something out for for somebody. That would be cool. Yeah. Be really, really cool. All right, gentlemen. Well, this was most informative, most enlightening. I really enjoyed uh, recording the show tonight. Oh, I, I was looking forward to this all week. I mean, uh, all weekend, uh, especially talking about being able to pick all of our, you know, pick three people we wanted and that is that was a thank you pat that was a great idea you're you're not only a smooth silky spokesman for joffrey's coffee and dvc resale you had a great show (laughs) idea so thank you and uh for the record pat's uh choices would have been walt disney because he jumped all over me when i said to pick walt disney was cliche but that's because he said it (laughs) At the, and uh, Michael Eisner. So oh, that would genius. be an interesting be great. conversation, too. Uh, I think that one might have had to be done at different times, uh, or maybe have like be done in a steel cage or so, because maybe at the Czech Country Bear say, Jamboree. I mean, like, put, putting Bob Iger but, and Michael Eisner in a room together, I don't know how that'd work out. <laughs> I think what would need to be, I think what would have to happen is. It would have to be in um, Liberty... Actually, no, not Liberty Square. It would have to be in uh, Frontierland. And the, the, way the, the way the meal would be is it would have to be a uh, catered meal. And Iger would be on the dock <laughs> of Tom Sawyer... Of, uh, yeah, of Tom Sawyer Island. You would have Pat in the middle on one of the rafts and Eisner would be in uh, Frontierland on the other dock. This way there's a body of water separating yeah, the both of them. That. Hey Walt, thank you, welcome. <laughs> Mike, thank you, welcome. Bob comes walking in the room like, you! <laughs> <laughs> and then Walt could be like, Walt could be on the riverboat or something like just behind which will go behind them and everything. We'll have the spray going up and hitting Pat I mean, just, it's, it's just for giggles. It's better keeping you know? Eisner on the raft, and about halfway through the meal, you just shove him off and, you know, to dead float into the, you know, into the river. Oh, thanks. We really appreciate you showing up, but we don't need you anymore. Right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, I know uh, there's a lot of people that don't like Eisner, and they've got a lot of issues, but plain and simple, if it was not for Eisner... Walt Disney World, I fully believe, would not be open right now. No. This is true. Yeah. Eisner is tops. Nice transition. See what I did there? No, it'd be very interesting to hear how uh, Eisner and Iger would have yep. to come to the table and tell Walt what they've, how they've promo- pushed the ball forward, so to speak. Um, you know, I'm sure Walt would be respectful, but I'm sure he'd, they'd get an earful. <laughs> Yeah, you, you are right on that. That would actually be fun, Jeff. Sit down and so, what yeah, have you guys done exactly. <laughs> and what? And, and I mean, 
when you got him asking you that question, right. what do you do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And I know w- people hate that filter, uh, what would Walt think. But, um, you know, he was a renaissance man, so to speak, too. He was always pushing the boundary. And he'd get bored quickly, like, okay, I did that. Now let's go do something else. So maybe he would be so excited that just all the new stuff were, you know, everybody's been doing since since he was gone, so. I would I would just love to walk I would love to have him walk in and just really guys the carpet the carpet Nepcot you haven't changed that yet what the hell <laughs> like, my god what do you what in the, what what is it you stuck in the seventies in there for God's sake change the carpet <laughs> yeah that whole room smells like baby diapers and farts God would you please put in some tile. <laughs> And what's funny is when I say that, everybody knows which right. hall I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Yes, yes we do. And on that note, listeners, engage us. Tell us, where would you have your dinner party and who would you invite and why? This should be an interesting conversation. We hope to hear from you on Twitter. You can find the Mickey Dudes on Twitter at the Mickey Dudes, and you can also find us on Facebook just search Mickey Dudes, the, sorry, the Mickey Dudes, and you can find us on Instagram at the Mickey Dudes Podcast. Tim, where can you be found on the interwebs? I can be found on Twitter at plain underscore Tim. I can also be found on Facebook at Tim Schweska, and of course, you can see some of my rantings every once in a while on the Mickey Dudes Podcast page. Jeff, where are you? Um, at BrainDud92 on Twitter and at BrainDew on Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm not even going to give my Twitter anymore because I just forget about it, but it's pretty much the same thing. At Figments Reality. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, have a magical week. listen to another exciting episode at the mickey dudes podcast you can find the mickey dudes on facebook at the mickey dudes podcast and on twitter at the mickey dudes if you enjoyed our podcast please share the love on stitcher or itunes thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again real soon